This program's about the impossible. There's a good chance that you believe in the impossible. In 1967, Dr. George Wald won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. Dr. Wald said, When it comes to the origin of life, there are two possibilities, creation or spontaneous generation. There is no third way. Spontaneous generation was disproved 100 years ago, but that led us to only one other conclusion, that of supernatural creation. We cannot accept that on philosophical grounds. Therefore, we choose to believe the impossible, that life arose spontaneously by chance. This Nobel Prize-winning scientist rejected the science that God had to be the creator of life, the only possible explanation for you. Me, I'm a Christian because I don't believe in the impossible. Stay tuned and let's explore the universe as it really is. I'm Paul and this is CYKIAE. Shocking, traumatic events have a way of drilling deeply into the very core and heart of human beings. The shock children experience when they learn that their parents' marriage has died is for them the worst moment that they'll ever have in their lives. This event's especially traumatic for children completely unaware of the trouble in their parents' marriage. One day everything's fine. Those children are usually oblivious to the fact that the entire foundation of their lives is about to disappear. One moment they're safe and secure, the next, everything they thought was a permanent fixture in their life is gone. Children of divorce will never forget the moment their parents announced their separation, or when dad bailed, or the day mum never came home. The emotional scars of those fateful moments remain even decades later. The consequences are often the ruination of their lives and very often, too, the lives of people that they will connect with when, as adults, they're looking for something that may always elude them, a stable, permanent relationship, because they can't give that themselves. From this program, I'm going to start to look at the catastrophic effect that divorce has on children, but also on the people involved in the marriage too. It would be better to lose your parent in the collapse of the Twin Towers on September 11 than to have your parents' marriage break up. Katie Faust and Stacey Manning in their book Them Before Us tell us a few stories of children who remember the first moments, their whole worlds fell apart. The first Gregory. Gregory will never forget the day his dad broke the news. It was his last day of seventh grade. He remembers his dad pulling him and his brothers into the back bedroom. He told us he was leaving because he couldn't get along with my mum anymore. Then he went out to the main part of the house and told her, We could hear her screaming and crying. Larissa, 30 
years after it happened, recollected. I was ten years old. My dad was at home one day and then gone the next, and I didn't see him for several weeks, maybe even over two months. It felt like forever. On the first day we saw Dad again, my little brother, who was there, ran to him, kicking and screaming, You hate us! My dad cried so hard I remembered the entire car shaking with his sobs. We never adequately dealt with what happened. Mum never acknowledged what her decisions caused. We learned cancel culture at home, and it's all we know how to do. Beth was eight when this happened. My parents separated when I was eight. Mum had moved out for a bit, and I vividly remember one time when she came back to the house. I was so excited, thinking she'd come home to stay. I had recently won a big red teddy bear as a prize from a local TV station, and I wanted to show it to her and tell her about winning it. She was brushing her teeth, rushing and not paying attention to me. Suddenly I realized that she hadn't come home. After all, she was only packing more of her things to take with her. I felt completely dejected that she didn't care one bit about my teddy bear, or about me. Jennifer remembers that moment this way. I was eight. My brother was seven. They sat us down at the kitchen table with one of us on each of their laps and told us they were getting a divorce. We both immediately burst into inconsolable tears. We had no idea anything was even wrong between them. To us, one minute they were painting the hallway on a weekend, and the next, our family was ending. I remember asking, which one of you is going to move out? I thought about that as an adult, revisiting this memory. Why did I know to ask that question? Clearly, we already knew what divorced meant. As children of the 80s, how could we not? It was like measles then, contagious and spreading fast. There's a Jewish saying that divorce is like the death of a small civilization. Marriage and the children of that marriage, with all of their coming into existence from the sperm of that man and an egg of that woman, creates something absolutely unique and precious in the whole world. A biologically entwined family. A man and a woman whose children are uniquely, biologically, related to them. As discussed in earlier programs in this series, that biological connection to their mother, their father, and any brothers and sisters that their mother and father have additionally produced, is vital for the happy and stable upbringing of those children. Statistically, anything else produces an outcome that can range from disastrous to bad. It would be remarkable for no damage to come from this situation. Divorce is a word the most important real meaning of which is the death of a family. The end of a marriage is often the death of a child's feelings of safety and security. It's the end of one home, the end of love shared by the two people a child loves most, and the end of time spent with both parents daily. Divorce 
introduces instability, confusion, and questions of loyalty into the already complex nature of childhood. Katie Faust, writing about America, tells us that Gen Xers and Millennials came of age during the peak of the divorce epidemic, the 1980s and the 1990s, which made divorce, including children around them whose parents are divorced, even if their own parents aren't, a ghost that haunts them and will haunt them for the rest of their lives. Divorce has become the norm. Unfortunately, when the divorce laws moved to no-fault divorce, where one party could unilaterally end the marriage, this change was for the benefit of the adults. I also think that there was a more sinister motive behind this change. Did the people who celebrated no-fault divorce ever think for a moment about what it would mean for the children of the broken marriages that resulted Divorce causes a lasting physical, emotional and relational damage on a child's psyche. Did the socialist Whitlam government have the aim of destroying marriages and the family when it introduced the 1975 Family Law Act? Maybe it's more accurate and more kind to see that change to the law as doing what Louise Perry warned about in her book, The Case Against the Sexual Revolution. She repeated the warning that G.K. Chesterton had given many years before about pulling down fences where you don't know what the fence is there for. In other words, was the Whitlam government just unthinking, maybe even stupid, in doing what they did? It's certainly the case that Marxist theory, the basis of socialism, requires the family unit of a mother, father, child to disappear. There are, after all, two great power blocks in the world, the Judeo-Christian one and the Marxist one. The cornerstone of the Judeo-Christian power block is the family. The core of the Marxist paradise instead is the state, which is a poor replacement for the family. Louise Perry says, My friend Mason Hartman compares the modern state to a kind of backup husband. If called upon, it will feed you, house you, and protect you from violence. But it won't do so especially well, and the state will offer no warmth or companionship alongside these basic necessities. Unsurprisingly, one of the first things that the Bolsheviks did was to introduce no-fault divorce. That wreaked havoc on the family and the stability of the Russian state. A letter from a woman living in Russia at the time about how this change worked out was published in the Atlantic newspaper in the 1920s. Her letter read, Men took to changing wives with the same zest which they displayed in the consumption of the, the recently restored 40% vodka. Peasant boys looked on marriage as an exciting game and changed wives with the change of seasons. It was not an unusual occurrence for a boy of 20 to have had three or four wives, or for a girl of the same age to have had three or four abortions. The results in communist Russia of bringing in no-fault divorce were 
so disastrous that one of the greatest monsters who has ever stalked the earth, Joseph Stalin, in 1936, got rid of it. He put things back the way they were. Even he accepted that Marxist theory, in this vital respect, was wrong. But the Whitlam government, unaware of the communist experience and the greater wisdom of Joseph Stalin, in 1975, followed what I would have to say was pure Marxist ideology by introducing into law in Australia no-fault divorce laws of the kind that Stalin had repealed. Did the Whitlam government have the aim of destroying the family? That wasn't the aim. That has largely been the result in the 50-odd years since the introduction of the Family Law Act. Melissa Carney had her book, The Two-Parent Privilege, published in 2023. She leaves no doubt from her book that she's a believer in the latest religion, atheism. So definitely not a Christian. Her book was in the New York Times 2023 list of the 10 most recommended books for that year. Her book's about how vital to parent families living with their biological children is to society. The title of her book is, in that regard, a total spoiler. She tells her readers about a study into how the exact same no-fault divorce laws that were introduced by Gough Whitlam in Australia in 1975, the Family Law Act, have worked in America to destroy marriage, which inevitably means the family. It's a 2004 study by MIT economist Jonathan Gruber. He identified the causal effect of no-fault divorce laws by designing a study that was centred on what he called unilateral divorce laws. That is, the laws allow one spouse to end a marriage without the consent of the other. That style of law, Melissa Carney tells us, became more common in the United States during the 1970s. It seems likely that that style of law has been Australia's gift to the world. The gift seems to have been the equivalent of the gift of a box that Zeus, in Greek mythology, gave to Pandora. Unlike Gough Whitlam, Pandora was told never to open the box. When Pandora's curiosity inevitably got the better of her, she opened the box. And as Stephen Fry tells us in his modern rendering of the Greek myths, Mythos, she had unleashed into the world illness, violence, deceit, misery and want had arrived. They would never leave the earth. Whitlam couldn't wait to open the box, and so today we have a society where the number of divorces skyrocketed, and today the number of people getting married at all has substantially declined. We have many children living with single mothers. We have massive youth crime, violence and all of the other woes that came out of the family law's Pandora's box. Gruber's study found that no-fault divorce laws led to a sizable increase in the number of divorces in the US. Melissa Carney tells us, using data from the 1960, 1970, 1980 and 1990 US censuses, 
So before and after the laws were implemented, Gruber found that this legal change led to more divorces and had the effect of worsening outcomes for children. Namely, as a result of the increased incidence of parental divorce, children wound up having lower levels of education, lower levels of income, and more marital churn themselves, both more marriages and more separations. As compared to similarly situated children who did not live in places where unilateral divorce laws were in effect. The results of Gruber's analysis are consistent with a negative effect of divorce on children's long term outcomes. Although, to be clear, while the finding that the law enabled increase in divorces produced negative effects for children, it does not necessarily mean that unilateral divorce laws aren't socially beneficial or desirable, all things considered. It is more likely the case that there were benefits to adults who were more readily able to end a harmful marriage. Other research shows that the divorce of parents has a causal effect on the likelihood that the children will subsequently live in poverty. Lower household income after a divorce is clearly one way that divorce is, on average, disadvantageous for children. Did this change impact on people getting married? The Family Law Act, with divorce at the request of either party after 12 months' separation, took marriage from a union between a man and a woman until death you do part to a civic relationship which you could stay in until you got bored or someone better came along. As Jordan Peterson says in his book Beyond Order, this change was significant. He said, You can keep the possibility of escape in the background of your mind. You can avoid the commitment of permanence. But then you cannot achieve the transformation, which might well demand everything you can possibly muster. Melissa Carney says, The share of American adults who are married is at a historic low. Among adults ages 30 to 50 in 2020, 60% of men and 63% of women were married. In 1980, the corresponding shares were 79% and 76%. That's a 24% decrease among men and a 17% decrease among women. Going back another decade, the decline is even more dramatic. The shares married in 1970 were 87% of men and 83% of women. The biggest losers in this are the children, and since they are the next generations, our whole society suffers a continual deterioration, unhappiness, poverty, and decline. In the next program, I get back to the children. The Marxist dream, or not, as Louise Perry observes, seems to be at hand amidst the burning, crumbling ruins of our society. Thanks for listening into this program, CYKIAE. If you missed it, you can catch up with it as a podcast on my CYKIAE, Spotify, Apple, Google, and many other podcast sites. Just look at my program details on Cairns FM 89.1 for clickable links. I'm Paul. Don't miss my next program because you're going to love it.
I want to thank my ghostwriter, without whom this program would definitely not have been possible, the Holy Spirit. Maybe you could catch up with me at my church, the Gafcon Northern Hope Anglican Church, at the Peace Lutheran College off Cowley Street, Camarunga. Just follow the signs. Some Sunday at 9am. If you liked this program, you should definitely listen in to my other explosive program, The Danger Zone, also available as a podcast on those same sites. Search Danger Zone, bracket, DZ, close brackets.